What is going on? Yerks here. Welcome to another episode of Yerks Talks. It is Friday. Happy Friday out there. Made it to another, made it through another week. Oh boy, barely, maybe. <laughs> no, it's been a good week for me. Hope it's been a good week for everybody else. So like I said, Friday, November 20th. Couple days away from Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to that. I hope everybody else is too. I, <laughs> I've been giving a lot of stick to, uh, well, not really, but uh, to my sister, but because she has already set up Christmas stuff, right? I mean, it was like the first day of November and the tree was up and decorations were up. And I, I'm not giving her like crap, but I'm, I've always been a proponent of let's put Christmas up the day after Thanksgiving. I'm fine with that. Day after is okay with me. I mean, I I wouldn't hate waiting till like December. Again, I'm not a I'm not a Grinch. I like Christmas a lot. You know, it's a good time. I enjoy watching some of the old movies and things like that. But I really like Thanksgiving. I think it gets shafted every year. So yeah, I've been fighting hard for Thanksgiving. But uh, sure enough, I'll probably be out there day after Thanksgiving on a ladder putting up some lights. So you know, it's inevitable. You can't you can't get away from it. It's gonna happen. But yes, it is Friday. It's Football Friday on today's episode. We're going to recap, re recap, recap last night's game. It was a good one. Uh, solid, solid matchup between two NFC West teams. And then uh, we're going to preview all of the Week 11 action in the NFL. I'll give my picks. I'll give my bets. And uh, yeah, that'll do it for this week and this episode. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Yerkes. I'll probably be tweeting out a lot this weekend about some of the games. A lot of great games this weekend. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Yerks Talks. You can also follow on Spotify and subscribe to Apple Podcasts as well. All right, let's get into it here. We'll start with the Thursday night football game, of course. The Seahawks, like I said they would. This is a game that I thought Seattle, I was pretty confident that they were going to win this game. It was a must win for them. It's a game historically that the Seahawks normally win. They beat the Cardinals 28-21. to Arizona did have a chance late in the fourth quarter. They were driving down two-minute drill. Uh, it was a fourth and ten, and Carlos Dunlap for the Seahawks. He got home and sacked Kyler Murray. He had two on the night. A great game for Dunlap. Uh, his, uh, I believe, third game now as a Seahawk. He, he was great. Jamal Adams also coming back from his injury. He made some great plays, too, in this one. I had two... Big um, takeaways from this game. Two things that really stuck out stood out for me. The first one, Arizona had a emotional hangover, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, they last weekend, right, winning via the hail mary. They, that's a complete high, and then to have to like come down from that, and then to refocus on a short week to play Seattle, they definitely struggled, and it showed. Ten penalties for Arizona. Uh, now, there are a lot of penalties both ways here. It, it was almost like the refs were trying to fill a quota. Some of the penalties were really bad, and like it was egregious. Uh, there was a bad call against the Cardinals' defense a handful of times here. It was like really awful. But a majority of the time, it was on the offense. And it wasn't like, you know, bad holding calls or anything like that, but I mean, the offensive line for Arizona last night, they just couldn't get out of the blocks. They they just stayed in the gate, man. They were 
awful. I, I counted four, if not five, false starts. A couple of them on the same drive. There were a couple brutal holding calls that brought back big plays. It was bad, man. They had a hold in the end zone that resulted in a safety. That was kind of the turning point of the game because Arizona was right there. Uh, they really had chances, but man, yeah, 10 penalties for the game for 115 yards, like I said. Seven or eight of those are just on the offense alone. So, yes, I feel like the refs were trying to fill that quota. I don't know what, but, man, so many pen- – 18 penalties called in this game. And some flags were picked up, so it was insane. Uh, but, yeah, they couldn't run the ball in this one. Only 57 yards as a team. Kyler Murray, he injured his right shoulder early in the game. He, he played the he played throughout the entire game, but he was on the sideline trying to stretch it out. He had some warm towels underneath, you know, trying to make sure it didn't go cold on him. It didn't, you know, stiffen up. Uh, I think that limited his running. I think he was concerned about hurting himself going out and running the ball because normally that's something that's um, been right there with his passing game. He's been very explosive running the ball. Well, not – I don't know if explosive is the right word for Kyler Murray, but he's, he's just so agile. He makes he just makes it look so easy. And so he didn't really run the ball a lot. I think that Seattle's defense played decent. They had an okay game. But, yeah, so they there was definitely an emotional hangover for the Cardinals. And I said that there was going to be one. And if they had come away with the win here, it would have been huge. It would have been a great Great win for them. And, again, like, all the hype going into this game, too, where it's like, oh, Russell Wilson's not playing too well. Kyler Murray could be the MVP this year. And so that was a huge moment, I think, for Kyler Murray. And I'm not going to say he dropped the ball there. His offensive line really struggled. I think he had a solid game. They just came up short in the end. The second big takeaway here from this game for me, you can't do it alone in the NFL. You need help. It's not the NBA where you can have two or three superstars and win a title. All right? You you can't do it alone in the NFL. Russell Wilson didn't get a lot of help last night, but he did get some help, and that was a difference. I want to quickly compare his stats from last week to this week. So, well, the team stats overall. All right? So, last week, Seattle could not run the ball at all. Taking out runs by Russell Wilson, which aren't designed runs. They are him just running for his life, okay? So taking out those runs by Russell Wilson, last week the Seahawks ran 14 times for 53 yards. That's it. Last night, now they got Carlos Hyde back, which helped a lot. I always liked Carlos Hyde. He was drafted by the 49ers. He just couldn't stay healthy. That's been his his issue. And so he's bounced around a couple of uh, couple, uh Bounced around to a couple teams these past couple years. He was on the Browns a couple years ago. Then last season he was on the Texans. Had a good season there. And so I love the pickup by Seattle this offseason because Chris Carson also can't stay healthy. So it made a ton of sense. ton of sense. Because I think Carlos Hyde is a really talented running back. Just the health concerns have limited his career. So they got Carlos Hyde back, though, and it helped tremendously. Um... Last night, 21 carries for 123 yards. And that's without Russell Wilson, who still ran the ball last night 10 times for 42 yards. But again, not designed plays by him. 
so they so immediately righty gets help. The running game goes over a hundred yards. He still hasn't had a hundred yard rusher this year, Russell Wilson. Think about that. That's crazy to me. And they're seven and three, and they haven't had a running back who's rushed over a hundred yards this year. God, he's it's insane. Like I said, the defense, a couple players stepped up. Carlos Dunlap, Jamal Adams had a solid game. Uh, they weren't they weren't amazing. By any stretch of the imagination here. I mean, they got the job done, but Arizona was able to move the ball. They were, so, they, they I mean, they did enough. Got the huge sack on fourth down. But still, I mean, not great. Not a great defense. Uh, the offensive line played better in this one. Last week, Russell Wilson was sacked six times. Knocked down about 12. Pressured all game. Uh, last night, only sacked three times. Still under some pressure, which was good. DK Metcalf last week, he was pretty much ghosted. This week, he had a touchdown. Should have had more, actually. He could have had three touchdowns in this game. He dropped the touchdown pass, and then he dropped another pass that I think he could have taken to the house. And so, Russell Wilson got a little bit of help in this one. All right. Running game was there. Defense stepped up. Um, you know, DK Metcalf didn't go completely uh, non-existent, although that was part of the offensive scheme, I think. Even if Jalen Ramsey's on him, you got you to gotta give Metcalf at least, I would say, eight touches a game, at least eight looks a game. Even if it's just a wide receiver screen to Metcalf. I mean, he's just so quick and strong that you have to give him the ball. So I think that was kind of, again, like the – Offensive coordinator for the Seahawks, Brian Schottenheimer. I think he realized this last week, and so he made amends. But, I mean, look look at the numbers for Russell Wilson when he gets a little bit of help. So last week, right, all on his own, on an island, no help. 22 for 37, 248 yards and three turnovers. Last night, with help, with a running game, with the defense stepping up, with DK Metcalf being involved, 23 of 28 for a buck 97 and two touchdowns, no turnovers. This is how Seattle needs to win games long-term. I talked about this at the beginning of the season. As much as we love Russell Wilson cooking, right? If you play fantasy football, you'll love it. As much as we love Mahomes, Magic, Aaron Rodgers doing his thing, even look Kyler Murray now, it's just so hard to sustain that. The like throwing 30-plus times every, every time out. Being perfect, not having to turn the ball over, have to throw for over 300 plus yards to get a win. It's just so hard to sustain. And even as great as Kyler Murray is, right, running the ball too, I mean, he needs support, right? Defensively, I think that they did enough to keep the Arizona Cardinals in this game. Their rookie, Isaiah Simmons, who's really stepped up these past couple of games since Chandler Jones is out for the season, their, their beast pass rusher, who since I want to say 2016 leads the league in sacks, he, you know, they really miss him. But Isaiah Simmons, their rookie, has really stepped up. He had a great game last night. But yeah, I mean, as I, I, I like, you know, this is the formula for Seattle: like run first, and then have Russell Wilson make plays when he has to. And so that's going forward. I think they're going to go. They're going to try to go more in this direction. Now, there's, there's going to be games probably down the stretch here where Russell Wilson will probably still have to air it out and cook, right? This His stat line should have been better. I mean, 23 or 28, and I think two of those, maybe three of those were drops, okay? So, I mean, last week people were giving him so much crap, I couldn't believe it. I mean, this guy has carried the franchise ever since he's been there. 
I mean, the two seasons without what Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll has a losing record. So I any the reason Pete Carroll just got signed to that massive contract, Russell Wilson, not his great coaching scheme because his defense has been non-existent these past three, four, five seasons. So yeah. Great win for the Seahawks. I thought they had to have it, and they did go out there and, and get it, unlike Tampa Bay two weeks ago. For Arizona, they shot themselves in the foot way too many times in this one. Otherwise, they have a chance to to tie the game, send it to overtime, or just win it outright. They played well enough, or well, the defense hung in there enough for them to mount a comeback and win. They just couldn't overcome all the offensive issues, man. So many false starts. So many holding calls, holding in the end zone, like I said, couldn't do it. Penalty after penalty after penalty for Arizona last night. Just couldn't couldn't rebound from that emotional uh, hangover that they had winning on winning on uh, winning against the Bills last Sunday. They just couldn't overcome it. So yeah, uh, I think that uh, I still pick Seattle to win the division. I think that the Rams are the best team in the NFC West right now. I still think that Seattle can win, is going to win the division, though, just based on Russell Wilson. And if Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson or one of them can stay healthy, because, yes, they have to run the ball. And so, yeah, good win for them at home. Had to have it. All right, let's shift to the Week 11 preview. So last week I was 8-6 and six in the picks. We've had a couple of – ever since I announced that in my pool I was number one in the picks, it's been – it's been a little bit downhill for me. I'm now third in the picks. I am three back of uh, someone, and so I got to make up some ground. On the season, I'm 101-45-1. I mean, I that's great. I, I'm killing it there, right? Not good enough for me. No, I, I demand a higher standard. This is a tough week, though. Lots of games that can go either way. But I do have a really good feeling about the picks this week. As always, the odds are through ESPN. I'm going to give my bets at the end here, of course. Uh, let's get into it. Here we go. First game here, the 3-6 and six Falcons are taking on the 7-2 and two Saints. New Orleans is a 3.5-point favorite. So the story here, no Drew Brees. He's, he's uh, got, you know, punctured lung. He's got a couple of bruised ridge. I imagine he's probably going to go on the IR. It'll probably get announced sometime later today, if not already. The surprise here, a lot of people thought that Jameis Winston was going to get the nod, be the starting quarterback. It's going to be Taysom Hill that's going to start this Sunday against Atlanta. Um, like I said, I thought that Winston would be the starter. I, I still think that he could potentially be involved, but Taysom Hill is going to get the nod here. He, I think he's earned a chance to start. He's been a great squad player for the team. I didn't know this, actually. I thought he was really young. He's 30. So he's he's been around the Saints for a long time here. He's their gadget guy. He gives them a spark off the off the uh, I want to say off the bench, but he's he's been used so much this year. I mean, he's part of the offense, right? He's he's he has his own package that he comes in and excels in. So um, he's only thrown eighteen passes his entire career. So we'll see how much he throws it in this one. Um, I do trust Sean Payton though. There's some people saying like, oh well. How come they're not starting Winston? Like, they're going to start Taysom Hill? Like, where, 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 like, you know, there's always doubters on the outside. But I think Sean Payton trusts Taysom Hill. Like I said, I feel like he has earned his chance to see what he's got as a starting quarterback. And so he's going to get a chance Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. There are other, there are a couple of players 
that were limited to practice this week for the Saints that probably still play. Running back Alvin Kamara, defensive end Cameron Jordan, and cornerback Marshawn Lattimore. The Falcons, they're coming off a bye. Uh, their only key injury here, wide receiver Calvin Ridley, their number two guy, one of the best wide receivers in the league in my opinion. He injured his foot a couple weeks ago on Thursday Night Football. He missed last week, and so off the bye, or he missed two weeks ago. Then they had their bye week. And so now um, it still looks like he might not play. So that foot injury is lingering. I'm going to take the Saints here at home. Um, Atlanta has won three out of their last four. They actually should be four. And f- um, it should be four for four, actually. Uh, they lost that heartbreaker to the Lions when uh, Todd Gurley ran the ball in when he, all he had to do was just uh, you know run, get to the first down and just sit down, but he didn't. Uh, the defense is playing a lot better under their interim head coach, Raheem Morris. Uh, I still like the Saints, though, because their defense, which is better than the Falcons, has been playing a lot better as well. They've been really good, a lot of energy. Quan Alexander last week looked great. And I also just trust Sean Payton and Taysom Hill to get it done at home. I'll take the Saints. The 2-6-1 Bengals are taking on the 2-7 Washington football team. Washington is a a 1.5-point favorite. This is a tough one for me. Uh, because I've been I've been a Washington homer lately. Um, three out of the last four games for Washington, I've picked them, and uh, they've gone one for three. And the one game I didn't pick them is the one that they won. They beat Dallas. That was so dumb. Can't believe I picked Dallas in that game. That was ridiculous. Alex Smith has been great for them. You know, a little bit rocky uh, coming off the bench two weeks ago, but then he got his first start since his injury last week against the Lions. And he almost completed the comeback. He looked good. Uh, unfortunately, left tackle Cornelius Lucas is out. And a couple of wide receivers are questionable. Dontrell Emmon and Isaiah Wright. Defensively, defensive end Ryan Anderson, linebacker Jared Norris, and safety Day Shazor Everett are all out. So I'm going to take the Bengals here. Now, they are banged up as well. Uh, Joe Mixon is out again. Um, but Gio Bernard is a very capable running back who can pick up the slack. Uh, they could also be without their cornerback, Mackenzie Alexander. He's in the concussion protocol, and their right guard, Alex Redmond, is questionable too. But last week, they got spanked. It looked like they got destroyed, but they were able to move the ball a lot, like well, last week. They had over 300 yards of offense. Uh, all the wide receivers are getting involved. The connection with the rookie wide receiver, T. Higgins, and then Joe Burrow is solid. They've been on the same page all year. They're really building that chemistry. Uh, They just weren't able to get into the red zone last week. Only two trips into the red zone, and then when they were there, they went one for two. So I like them on the road here to win. Washington has started slow these past, their past three games. They've gotten out of the, they just haven't been able to get out of the gates quickly. And so I am going to take the Bengals here on the road. I am hesitant, though. There's a couple games where I'm like, I think it could go either way, and this is one of them. But I I feel like I last week was kind of like the last straw for me with Washington, so I could I could be wrong this week, but I'm gonna take the Bengals on the road. The four and five Lions, this is another game, by the way. Taking on the three and seven Panthers. Carolina's a two and a half point favorite. Another game that I am very I'm almost 50-50 on. Carolina's a two and a half point favorite. Another NFC South quarterback that has an injury right now. So Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Two Gloves, he's going to be a game-time decision with a knee injury. Uh, he he uh, 
left the game in the second half against Tampa. Uh, also, Christian McCaffrey, their running back, he's out for the second straight game too. If I'm Carolina, I sit him down for the rest of the season. He should not play the rest of the season. You sign him to this ridiculous contract. He, you know, he can't stay healthy this season. I would just sit him down. You're not going to win the division. You're not going to make the playoffs. Just, you know, see what you have in your young running backs and just keep running with Mike Davis. Uh, to make matters worse, their left tackle, Russell Okun, is, who's just been struggling this year to stay healthy, and their right guard, John Miller, they are both doubtful for this one. Defensively, they also have several guys that are questionable, and their cornerback, Rasul Douglas, is probably going to be out. So you're thinking, well, let's pick Detroit, right? Uh, well, unfortunately, the Lions are pretty banged up too. So Matt Stafford, he he entered his thumb. Um, he is going to play. Unfortunately, wide receiver Kenny Galladay and Danny Amendola, both of those guys are out. Marvin Jones, their other wide receiver, the only guy really, he's a little bit banged up, along with tight end TJ Hawkinson. Um, their rookie running back, DeAndre Swift, who's looked great these past couple of weeks and was amazing last week against Washington, he is out as well with a concussion. So, you know, you have Adrian Peterson and Kerryon Johnson behind him. They're solid players. Um, but defensively, they're still uh, missing some people as well, you know, on that side of the ball. So I think that if Teddy plays, I still I, – I don't know, man. This is tough. So right now I'm going to pick – the Lions on the road here. But if Teddy plays, I might swap. Because with Kenny Galladay, Kenny Galladay, excuse me, and Danny Amendola being out, it's just Marvin Jones out there. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't feel great about picking the Lions right here because I just don't trust them at all. They almost blew another lead last week to Washington. Um, the offense has been playing well with Stafford, but again, if like Hawkinson can't go – Marvin Jones being banged up, like no DeAndre Swift, no Kenny Galladay, no Danny Amendola. I oh man, what do I like? I have no idea what's going to happen here. So this one might swap. I might post on Twitter saying like, "Hey, in the video I picked the Lions, but I'm not going to take Carolina." So we'll see. On um, right now, I'm on the Lions though. All right, the four and five Patriots are taking on the two and seven Texans. New England is a two point favorite, so the Pats coming off a great win against the Ram or the Ravens, excuse me. Uh, once again, a billion people listed as questionable. That's the typical Bill Belichick move. Uh, here's a couple that stand out though. So cornerbacks to find Gilmore, who missed last week, he should be back. Uh, the running back Damian Harris, he was limited to practice this week, so he's probably good to go. Left guard Joe Thune and right guard Shaq Mason are both questionable. Uh, Patriots are going to win this game. Um, so on Houston's side, the running back David Johnson, he got placed on IR. Uh, Duke Johnson, his backup is also questionable, along with Laramie Tunsil, their left tackle. Deshaun Watson is in a very similar situation to Russell Wilson in Seattle. Unfortunately, the um, he, like, yeah, he just, that that's what it is, you know. And, like, he's just screwed long-term. I, I do think the Texans have a better defense than Seattle. Maybe. Like, it's it's close. They're both not great units. Um, and so, yeah, because of that and the fact that New England has an outside chance to make the playoffs now, um, their schedule down the stretch is relatively simple. They do have to play Miami and the Bills again. But other than that, a lot of um, winnable games for them. 
Uh, they could definitely sneak in. Uh, they, they also have to play the Rams, though. So I think this is kind of a must-win for them if they really are going to try to push for playoffs. Also, Houston is dead last at stopping the run. And guess what New England loves to do? Run the ball. So I think that they're going to run the hell out of the ball here. Ton of time of possession on their side. And Houston just won't be able to stop it. Damian Harris, if he plays, he could have a field day. It's insane. Yeah, Cam Newton as well. Rex Burkhead. Yeah, all of them could just have a great day running the ball here. Uh, so, yeah, I take the, I'll take the Patriots on the road. The 3-5-1 Eagles. They're taking on the 6-3 and three Browns. Cleveland with six, re- six wins. That's crazy. Uh, what a joke. Uh, Cleveland is a three-point favorite. I say, I mean, they've played well enough to have six wins. I just don't trust them long term. Uh, unfortunately for the Cle- Cleveland Browns, they're going to be without their defensive end potential defensive player of the year, Miles Garrett. He's going to be out. He got placed on the COVID list. There's also three starters on the offensive line that are questionable, and defensive tackle Sheld- Sheldon Richardson might not play as well. For Philly, they're actually pretty healthy right now. They just stick is their problem. Last week, man, I was so disappointed. They looked terrible off their bye week. And so I'm off on the Eagles right now until they prove that they can beat a decent team, let alone a good team. So I'm taking the Browns here. Uh, I, you know, they're as long as they execute their game plan, they should win this game. Ton of Nick Chubb running the ball along with Kareem Hunt, which sets up their play action stuff, right? to their, you know, Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, Rashad Higgins, people like that, um, and then solid defense, and that should be enough to win the game. I will say, though, that the Eagles, notoriously, when they're really, you know, underdogs, right, they tend to step up, and so, I mean, they're only a three-point dog in this one, but still, I think a lot of people are going to pick Cleveland this week, so don't don't be surprised if Carson Wentz goes out there and airs it out and has a really solid game. But the weather, as of late, has been terrible in Cleveland. I don't know what the forecast looks like for this weekend, but it's been awful the past two home games there. So if it's that same high wind weather, you know, weather delay stuff, then that completely favors Cleveland because they can run the hell out of the ball way better than the Eagles can. So I'm taking the Browns. The 9-0 and Steelers, I'll make this one quick. The 9-0 and Steelers taking on the 1-8 and Jags. Pittsburgh is, Pittsburgh is a 10.5-point favorite. Take the Steelers here. They're healthy right now. They got a few backup players that are questionable. Jacksonville, uh, they competed last week against Green Bay, uh, but I just that was more on the Packers. I don't see that happening again against the Steelers. Uh, their wide receiver, LaVisca Chenault, is out again, along with their tight end, James O'Sonnessy. Gardner Minshew might be back. If he's not, it's going to be Jake Luton again, former Beaver turned Jaguar. It doesn't matter. Take the Steelers here. Uh, they're just too good. They're going to 10-0. Take Pittsburgh. The 6-3 Titans. This should be a good game. Taking on the 6-3 Ravens. Baltimore is a 5.5-point favorite. Both of these teams are banged up right now. Tons of people are questionable. I'll start with Tennessee. Their left guard, Roger Saffold, and their wide receiver, Adam Humphreys, they are both out. Uh, they could also be missing their wide receiver, A.J. Brown, along with Jadavian Clowney on the defensive end and safety. Uh, he's a defensive end. He's also on the defensive end. Fun little uh, teaser there. Uh, and their safety, Kenny Vaccaro. For Baltimore, they added their tight end, Nick Boyle, to the IR. He's their second string tight end, but it's important because they run the ball a lot in two tight end formations, so that's a, that hurts their running game a lot. They've also had to shuffle some offensive linemen around, too. 
Remember, they lost their left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, who just got signed to a massive contract. They lost him like the day after he signed that contract, which sucks. I'm glad he got paid, but sucks for the team long term. You know, the Ravens have Super Bowl aspirations, so they've had to shovel some things around on the offensive line. Defensively, too, they've had to deal with some COVID stuff and some injuries. Defensive tackle Brandon Williams and defensive end Calais Campbell, who missed his first game since 2014 last week. He, These guys are both questionable for this one. Um, I'm going to take the Ravens here. I just don't trust Tennessee, straight up. And it's not the offense I don't trust, it's their defense. These are very these are two similar teams that have the same game plan, right? Run the ball very well. When you run it well, you can set up the play action passes and we want to play with a lead. Those are the three things that we want to do if we're Baltimore and Tennessee. I just think that Baltimore's defense is a, a lot better than Tennessee's and they can do a better job stopping the run. I think that's what it's going to come down to. Also, I mentioned this in yesterday's episode. When Tennessee is down multiple scores, Derrick Henry comes off the field, their best offensive player. When Baltimore's down multiple scores, Lamar Jackson, their best offensive player, stays on the field, who's also their quarterback. So I like them. I like Baltimore a lot this week. Also, uh, this is a great opportunity for the Ravens to get their passing game going. The Titans are one of the worst teams in that, like one of the worst, they have one of the worst secondaries in the league, which is crazy because they're a playoff caliber team, but they, they are terrible. Their front four, very good. Their linebackers, they're okay. Their secondary, dumpster fire. They are awful. So if there was a game for Lamar Jackson to get that passing game going, this is it. Um, so potentially, Marquise Hollywood Brown could have a great game, the wide receiver, along with their tight end, Mark Andrews. So look for that. I still think it's going to be low scoring, ground and pound, but this could be a, this could be Lamar, Lamar Jackson's pop-off game where you could pass for over 300 yards. It's definitely on the table at home against a weak Titan secondary. It could happen. I'm taking the Ravens. The 6-3 and three Dolphins, they're taking on the 3-6 and six Broncos. Miami's a 3.5-point favorite. I'll be quick here. Um, take the Dolphins, okay? Uh, Kyle, their linebacker, Kyle Van Noy, he is questionable for Miami. That's it. They're great everywhere else. Uh, for Denver, their quarterback, Drew Locke, and their tight end, Noah Fant, they have rib injuries, and they are both questionable, might not play. If Drew Locke is out, bet the Dolphins every which way. Like just put put up the put up the house, put up your firstborn, bet the Dolphins. I mean, like they're if if Locke can't play, like oh my god, like I love the Dolphins here. Um, their uh, wide receiver for Denver, Jerry Judy, and their cornerback AJ Bouye are also questionable. Uh, Miami's just playing too well right now. Uh, Drew Locke has been awful. Just horrendous. Now he's dealing. He's playing. Been playing through injuries. Last week he looked banged up, but still, man, he threw four interceptions last week. I just take Miami here. If Locke doesn't play, the line will move up from three and a half. Guarantee it. So yeah, take the Dolphins. Fins up, baby. Fins up. The zero and nine Jets. They're taking on the two and seven Chargers. LA is a nine and a half point favorite. If there's any game that the Jets are going to win. It is this one, because historically the Chargers lose games like this. Better, they're playing a team that they're better at in every category. 
There are two. They're they're higher than a. They're they're favored by more than a touchdown. That was so hard for me to say. They are favored by more than a touchdown. Nine and a half points. This is a game that the Chargers find a way to lose. I, the, the, that's what it is. All right. And so, with that in mind, I'm still taking the Chargers, but because it would be just absolutely absurd. But uh, yeah, my, like this game could be a lot closer than people think. Like this could come down to the fourth quarter, honestly, because the Chargers constantly do this. This is what they do. They just play down to their competition and they like find ways to lose games like this. That like on paper seem like they're winnable, they're gonna roll them, but then they they play down and they find ways to lose. So with that in mind, let's get into it here. So the Jets, Sam Darnold, their quarterback, he's gonna be out again. Uh, he has the lingering shoulder injury. Again, I think that they're gonna probably keep losing games here and try to pick up Trevor Lawrence in the draft next year. And so Sam Darnold's probably going to get traded somewhere. So they're probably not going to play in the rest of the season, although there have been reports that he might play next week. Uh, you know, just to see, just throw him out there for a couple weeks, see, like, what the offense, you know, how he looks, things like that. So it's going to be Joe Flacco under center again for the Jets. Um, their secondary is also banged up. And defensive end, Quinnen Williams, who's their best player on defense, he's questionable for this one. Offensively, wide receiver Brashad Perriman, he was limited to practice. He should play. For the Chargers, left tackle Brian Balaga, who just can't stay healthy, along with cornerback Casey Hayward, they are both questionable. Justin Herbert rocking that new haircut, which is really bad. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, my God, it's horrendous. He went to Supercuts or something because it is just terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, so yeah, like I said, Herbert's been great. The Jets defense is terrible. He should ball out. Uh, the wide receivers should have a great day. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, they should be great. Hunter Henry as well, the tight end. I'm taking the Chargers here. If they lose this game, if they find a way to lose to the the uh, the Jets, the 0-9 Jets, then prepare yourself for Monday because I will go off. I will be very upset if they find a way to lose this game. So, yeah, I'm bolting up, uh, but come on, Chargers, please don't. Please do not lose to the Jets. Again, this is historically a game that the Chargers will find a way to lose. I'm going to take them to win. They should win this game, and if they don't, oh, man, come Monday, I'm going to be livid. <laughs> the 2-7 and seven Cowboys. God, they have the same record as the Cowboys. Unreal. Take on the 4-5 and five Vikings. Minnesota is a seven-point favorite, and they, they're surging right now. Minnesota's... Playing some good football. I mean, they shouldn't have won on Monday because the Bears' offense is an absolute joke. But, uh, you know, they did. Kudos to them. Dallas is coming off a bye. They get their uh, second-string quarterback member. No Dak Prescott. I hope he recovers. We'll see him again. But Andy Dalton, he's back after his world got rocked uh, two weeks ago. or uh, Was that three weeks ago? He got absolutely depleted a couple, three weeks ago against Washington. And then uh, he ended up on, I think he got COVID or he ended up on the COVID list. So he's back now. Their center, unfortunately, Tyler Biadas is out. Defensive end Marcus Lawrence, who's probably their best defensive player, is questionable. He was limited at practice this week. For Minnesota, their right guard, Ezra Cleveland, is out. Cornerback Cameron Dantzler is in the concussion protocol. And their tight end, Irv Smith, is questionable. 
Take Minnesota here. They've won street. Oh, they won three. They've won three straight. Their offense is playing really um, well defensively. They've improved every week under Mike Zimmer. Dallas sucks a lot. They are piles uh, without Dak Prescott in there. Zeke Elliott, their running back, has been terrible. I mean, he, really bad. I thought that he'd pick up the slack without Prescott, but man, he has been awful. Obviously, the offensive line has not been great, but there are teams that have been able to run the ball with worse offensive lines. So, and, and a player of Elliott's caliber, he has to do better, man. I don't care. You throw Alvin Kamara behind the Dallas's line, he makes things happen. Same with Dalvin Cook. Same with these elite running backs. And we consider Zeke to be in that tier, but he has not shown it this year. So, yeah, take Minnesota here. Uh, they're, they're cruising here. These, their next three games, very easy. If they win this one, they're at 500, and they could potentially sneak into a playoff spot. Extra uh, each each uh, division or each conference needs an extra playoff seed, so they could sneak in there. So yeah, I'm taking I'm taking Minnesota. All right, two more games here. The seven and two Packers are taking on the six and three Colts. Indy is a one and a half point favorite. So the big question mark going to this one: Triple A. So, Aaron Rodgers, he's healthy. Aaron Jones, he's healthy. Devontae Adams, rut row. He was limited all week with an ankle injury. He, he just he's, he seems to be kind of injury prone now. Ever, you know, he's, he missed some games last – he missed a lot of games last season. He's missed some games this season. Um, but he is going to play on Sunday. Also, wide receiver Alan Lazard, he returned to practice this week, which is great for them. Remember, he had that great game against the Saints before he went down. Unfortunately, went to the IR. He's now come back, and so he's practicing. He probably won't play this weekend, but it's a good sign long term for the Packers, who are probably going to win this division, win their division. Cornerback Jay Alexander is in the concussion protocol, but he he had full practice yesterday, so it looks like he's going to be good to go. For Indy, defensive end Danico Autry, a guy that you have not heard of, but he's been having a great season. He got placed on the COVID list today. So he's going to be out. How good has this season been? Well, he leads the team in sacks with six. So they're missing him. Also, right tackle Braden Smith is questionable. Even if oh, – so Devontae Adams is going to play. Um, So, like, okay, there was rumors that Devontae Adams wasn't going to play. So I was going to pick the Colts. But now that he is in, I'm still picking the Colts. The offense is playing really well right now with Rivers. They haven't been turning the ball over. They, they really struggled with turnovers in the beginning of the year. They've really tightened that up. I think Frank Wright has done a great job, you know, adjusting with Rivers. The defense has been outstanding. Linebacker Darius Leonard, I cannot talk enough about this guy. Really good. If you're, This is the afternoon game. A lot of places, a lot of broadcasts will show this one. Uh, tune in to watch this game. Should be great. Linebacker for the Colts, middle linebacker, number 53, I believe, or 52. I should just look that up right now. Uh, but I think he's 53. So, yeah, Darius Leonard, guy's a stud. Uh, I also think that the Colts are a team that can push Green Bay around. Remember, I called last episode, I called the Packers the spoiled rich kids, right? They're driving their convertibles down Malibu. They have, they have to be comfortable, okay? If it rains, right, or there's bumper-to-bumper traffic or, you know, certain things don't go their way, then they really tend to struggle. And I think that the Colts with their very physical defense, and then offensively, I think that they could run the ball effectively against the Packers because the Green Bay can't stop the run. I think that they could make this game 
interesting. I think that they can win this game outright at home. So I'm going to take the Colts here. And very quickly, we're going to look up Darius Leonard. And he is number 53. There we go. It was That was one of those where it was going to bug me not knowing the answer. Do you ever have those where somebody asks you a question or you're trying to think of maybe uh, an artist or a movie actor or anything like that, and you have to literally stop what you're doing in order to look it up? That's what that just happened there. So, yeah, Darius Leonard, watch this game. 125 kickoff uh, Pacific time. And, uh, yeah, watch Darius Leonard and that Colts defense, and they're going to get the job done against Aaron Rodgers at home. I'm taking Indy. And then last but not least, Sunday Night Football. We got the 8-1 Chiefs taking on the 6-3 Raiders. Kansas City is an 8-point favorite. I'll start with the Raiders because basically their entire defense is on the COVID list uh, because they are all high-risk, close contacts. So here's the deal with this. So they found out, I think, Wednesday. Yeah, they think they found out Wednesday and then immediately put the players on the COVID list, all right? So they have to keep testing positive, or testing negative, excuse me. They have to keep testing negative, and if they keep testing negative all the way up to Sunday, then, they, then they're good to go. And so they've tested negative these past couple days, and then this morning, no new positive tests in Las Vegas. So they're on the right track. Besides the defense... Their left tackle, Colton Miller, and their right tackle, Sam Young, are both questionable. For Kansas City, they're coming off a bye. Uh, their defensive end, Taco Charlton, he is going to be out, unfortunately. Running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, has an illness. Not COVID, but, you know, that people forget, too. Uh, I mean, players can just get sick, like, you know, a cold or a flu. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily be COVID, but since like Corona's going on, everybody's like, <gasps> everybody's you know super tense if somebody if it, if it says illness on the report. So not COVID, just you know maybe like a stomach bug or a flu. So he might play on Sunday, but he's questionable. Wide receiver Sammy Watkins questionable as well, and right tackle Mitchell Swartz, who got activated off the COVID list. He tested positive at the beginning of the week, then he got activated, or he he was either the beginning of the week or Sunday, but he got activated off the COVID list. He got the all-clear, but he's also questionable, along with cornerback Rashad Fulton. Take the Chiefs here. Andy Reid, great off the bye. This is the best team in football. Uh, the Raiders, they're dealing with their COVID stuff, so their entire defense might be out, depending on how it looks this weekend. Uh, yeah, it could get ugly very quickly. I mean, you know, the Chiefs, this is the best team in football. So yeah, to take Kansas City. There's not there's really not much to say. Like they're just Kansas City is gonna win this game. It's just only a matter like how many points are they gonna win by. So yeah, take Kansas City. All right, let's shift to the bets here. So as always, I always give you five I like, and then one upset bet or one spicy bet of the week. So here we go. First bet I like this week, Cleveland minus three. So give you a little equation here. Nick Chubb plus Kareem Hunt, plus defense equals covering the three points. Like the Browns at home to cover. Especially if the weather is bad, that extremely favors Cleveland that want to run the ball anyways. So yeah, take Cleveland at home here. Don't trust the Eagles on the road. They just I'll believe it when I see it with Philly. Second bet, second bet I love, and this, this for me is like my lock of the week, New Orleans, or New Orleans, New England minus two, minus two. I love this. This is insane to me that it's only two points. So I get the second team 
in rushing with the Patriots that, out, that averaged 161 yards per game against the team that is dead last defending the run, which is the Texans that allow 165 yards a game. And I only have to win by a field goal? Uh, Cameron, like, yeah, I love that. Love New England minus two. Uh, give me all of that. My third bet, Miami minus three and a half. Now, Drew Locke does not play. Uh, I You bet Miami everything. Like, Miami three and a half, like, points by a billion. Like, you just bet Miami every which way you can. Uh, yeah, everything you got. It's the best scoring defense in the NFL, taking on Drew Locke if he plays, who has been a turnover machine. He's on track to, like, with Jameis Winston, who had 30 interceptions last year. The guy just has sucked. He's been awful. I don't know what it is. So, yeah, Miami three and a half there. My fourth pick, Cincinnati plus one and a half. Probably the bet I'm the least sure about, but I still like Joe Burrow on the road. The offense has been good. They've been great passing it. Solid wide receiver core. Tyler Boyd has had a great season along with their rookie, T. Higgins. A.J. Green's no slouch either. Ever since they moved him inside to the slot, he's been having success as well. Gio Bernard, capable running back. He's been he's looked good in his um, increased role because Joe Mixon has been out for now three weeks. Washington secondary has been exposed uh, against the Lions last week. They really struggled. Uh, they have started games slow as well. It's hard to constantly come back from behind. So I like Cincinnati on the road here to cover the one and a half. Again, they just have to win by a field goal. I like it. And then my fifth bet, Indy minus one and a half. It's a leap of faith here. Again, um, a few weeks. I think it's a couple weeks gone now. Um, I did a special where I was talking about teams that are sheep in wolf's clothing, and the Colts were one for me. But since that, they have really stepped up here. Again, these next two weeks is going to tell us a lot about Indy. They have Green Bay this weekend, and then next week they play the Titans. So if they go 2-0, you know, that would that's a huge step, and then they would actually be contenders in my opinion. So... I like Indy one and a half this week. Once again, just got to win by a field goal, which I like a lot. Uh, technically, just two points. Um, so, yeah, I think that they can make Green Bay uncomfortable. I think that they'll be able to run the ball with that great offensive line. Naheem Hines looked good. I think the rookie, Jonathan Taylor, will also get his touches in this one. I think that the Colts are very physical and can punch Green Bay in the mouth early, and we know what happens when, that, when they do that. Green Bay just folds like a... Like a, like a lawn chair. So I like Indy minus one and a half. And then last but not least, my upset bet or my spicy bet of the week, I'm taking Las Vegas plus eight. Hear me out. Now, I know Kansas City's off a bye, and this could be terrible, right? But that's what the upset bet is. It's something that, you know, not huge, that doesn't have a huge shot to hit. But, I mean, eight, eight points is a lot in the NFL. Over a touchdown, it's a lot of points, right? Uh they beat them the first time they played. Okay, so there's that. They've been running the ball extremely well on offense. They have this one-two punch now with Josh Jacobs and then Devin Booker. They've been running the ball. Even with their offensive line issues, they have been able to run the ball extremely well. I think it's the one place that the Chiefs are actually vulnerable on defense. They're also going to try to control the time of possession. They're one of the best teams in the NFL at doing that. Their goal... Um, their their goal to goal drives are outstanding this year. Uh, they they've scored a lot of touchdowns on eight plus play drives. 
It's been outstanding. I also think that if the running game starts going, then they could do what they did when they played them the first time, get some play action going with their speedsters outside. I'm looking at Nelson Aguilar, their rookies, Henry Ruggs, and Braylon Edwards. These guys are quick on the outside. Derek Carr is an accurate quarterback. He's fifth in the league in completion percentage. So, yeah, I think the Raiders could keep this close. They'll still lose this game, but I think that they – can cover the eight points. Now, this hinges on the fact of their defense plays, and they could be a little bit sloppy because they've had to practice virtually this week. But I still, they, uh, the Raiders has been a team that I've, I've watched a lot this year. I think that they're up and coming in the league, and I think that they play up to their competition. And so I like the Raiders at home here to cover the eight points. All right, to recap here, the five bets, Cleveland minus three, my lock, New England minus two, Miami minus three and a half, Cincinnati plus one and a half, Indy minus one and a half, and then my upset bet, Las Vegas plus eight. There you have it. Week 11 preview with the picks, with the bets, and that's going to do it for this week. That's a show. That's a wrap. Whew. We did it. We got through it. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you did, I appreciate all the support. Hey, next week... I am trying to get these episodes out earlier. That is the goal next week. My schedule has been all over the place with Corona and all that stuff. Like it's been fluctuating. People want meetings early and then they want them late. And it's like, ah, oh, man, like, can we just set up a time? So I, I, I feel like I've been putting a lot of effort in this, but I feel like there's times where I can put in more. And so next week I'm really going to try to have these episodes out in the morning around 9 or 10 o'clock each day. That's the plan. Uh, looking forward a little bit ahead. So Thursday is Thanksgiving, I believe. That should be the day. And so no episode on Thursday. And so that's so Wednesday we'll probably talk some basket hoops, and then I'll preview the three Thanksgiving games. And so, yeah, that should be a good episode and good time. So with all that being said, thank you so much for those of you that are sticking with me that are listening to this podcast. I really do appreciate it. Have a great day weekend. Be safe. Go watch some sports and I'll see you next week.